0: Thank you for tuning in to the Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you'd like to check out our website, the website is www.lifeconvos.com. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can email me at convos, CWS, that's C-O-N-V-O-S-C-W-S at gmail.com. Today's episode is Anita's Reading Room, and I have a treat for you. With me is Pastor Rasan Jordan, and we're going to be talking about his book, I Live Yesterday Didn't Kill Me. So, everybody, I need you to really help me welcome Pastor Rasan Jordan.
1: Uh, So excited to be with you on this evening, uh, Anita. You're such a blessing in, in ministry and your, your smile, um, your spirit, your heart is is truly a reflection of the heart of God. And so I'm just happy to be with you and, and share my story. I know that um, you'll do a great job because this is what God has called you to do. So I'm, I'm happy about this.
0: Well, thank you for joining me. Um, Our listeners may know you if they're from the local area, but they may not. So I'd like you to just take a few minutes to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, and and so they can get to know you.
1: Well, I mean, that's that's a lot to share. (laughs) You know, um, I'm a pastor. Um, First and foremost, um, I'm a man of faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I just believe God and I stand on the word of God. So I pastor the Advancing Church in the Central West End area, uh, 4152 Washington Boulevard. I've been pastoring now for 13 years, and it's been quite a journey. In addition to pastoring, I'm an author, um, business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, I have business partners in in several different um, fields. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just that entrepreneurial pastor (laughs) kind of guy Uh, Who loves his children Who loves family And want to see the community really blessed And so that's me in a nutshell (laughs) You know, I I could talk about the love of cars And and all of the other things that I I really enjoy But um, that's me in a nutshell
0: Yeah, that's why why you're a pastor Because you have great taste in cars So I'm just (laughs) putting it out there But this book that you wrote I Live Yesterday Didn't Kill Me I gotta tell the listeners This is a powerful book You you definitely want to get it And you definitely want to read it And I've read it twice Wow And I just think it's such a powerful story That I wanted to bring it to the listeners So I want to start out with something That is in the beginning of your book In the introduction Now I've worked in mental health for six years now And we know that the absence of fathers has a big toll on not only children, but especially on boys. Yes. And if we look um, by, by racial makeup and cultural experiences, we know this has a profound effect, effect in the African-American community. One of the things that I thought was so powerful in the beginning of your book is you talked about how that felt emotionally. Now, we know what the research says. The research says, it's you know, kids without fathers is a bad thing. But I've never read or, or heard anyone describe the emotion of it. And that was powerful. So you're talking about being seven years old. And can you tell the listeners a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. You know, I was just a, a young man um, looking for identity. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're seven You're looking for a superhero, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you play with toys and you dream about Superman and and all of the 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 action uh, figures. Right. So at seven years old, I was just looking for that superhero Mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be my father. You know, but I lived in a house um, with nothing but ladies. right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I am the only boy of four sisters, right? So um, it was just challenging at the age of seven to try to figure out who I was supposed to be, um, Mm -hmm. how I was supposed to process, how I was supposed to think, Mm -hmm. um, because I was looking for that male figure that could, you know, pour into me, that could give me correction and Mm -hmm. lead me and guide me. And so it was very challenging.
0: One of the reasons I, I focused on this topic is because I think... As a community, and then as mothers, we know that when the father is absent, it affects our children. But I don't know that we're necessarily in tune with the emotion of that. You talked about the feelings of emptiness at seven years old, and you know, adults typically, um, you know, they're they're buying the kids clothes and they're doing birthday parties and stuff. I can really see, especially for mothers how you can miss being in tune with that emotion because boys are socialized not to show their feelings Mm -hmm. not to talk about their feelings and i just said i wonder what it would look like if we paid more attention to what young children are actually feeling because they don't have the um emotional vocabulary to describe it yeah yeah. And, and that's
1: that's important, you know, that we just kind of pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're, we're busy um, with our lives and um, we're used to doing like the routine things. Right. Know? We right. wake you up for school. We help you do your homework. Um, we give you time to go outside. and Right. Play right. And do all of the things that we would normally do with a kid. But when a kid has experienced um, emotional trauma, Um, it's important for us to try to tap into Mm -hmm. what they're trying to process by asking them some questions, even.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, thinking back, what would have been helpful uh, for you as a a young child struggling? What do you think maybe could have helped?
1: Well, I I think that um, just trying to um, get into the mind of a child. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know, someone, um, and my mother, she was someone who was raising um, three kids at the time well mm-hmm. four kids at the time mm-hmm. that I was seven years old and so she had a lot of children to kind of look at and observe mm-hmm. and so uh, me being the boy um, it was difficult I'm sure for her to kind of come into my world
0: right, right, into
1: my experience yeah. um, but it's critically important that um, a parent makes a valiant effort to try to get in that child's world, in addition to getting into that child's world, maybe helping um, that child by reading some books or reading some stories Mm -hmm. to that child to help that child relate with other people who may have experienced what they've experienced. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just don't find Community when we really need community, right? Right. But when you're a child who has been through uh, some level of trauma, it's always great to have some other people around you. Mm-hmm. And kids even yeah. that have went through some of the same things that you went through, so that would have that would have helped.
0: Yeah. And and I th- I think that is that's that's really powerful getting into the mind of a child because um we often wonder what the answer is to the violence that we see with young people. And we we say we need to do better, we need to do better. But are we doing things that are meaningful? And I think what you said was so powerful in the fact that if we try to understand get in the world of a child we can maybe do some things that are meaningful that don't leave children feeling like they're abandoned and I have to wonder like with the levels of violence that we see in young people and I'm not trying to blame it on every father because y'all it's a lot of good fathers out there I know y'all doing what y'all supposed to do Mm -hmm. there are fathers that can't be there for uh, circumstances beyond their control kudos to y'all we see you but, you know, what, what difference would it make if, if children felt that the adults around them were paying enough attention mm-hmm. to actually connect? Mm-hmm. So uh, very, very powerful stuff. But I want to move on to another topic in your book.
1: And let me say this. Okay. It would make a, a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You know, it, instead of, again... I just mentioned this sending the children out to play. Yeah. Going out to play with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Going out to play with them and having conversations about the things that they have experienced or the things that they're experiencing currently. Yeah. And so taking your kid out to play and allowing your kid to play is one thing. Mm hmm. Playing with them is
0: another. another thing. Yes, absolutely.
1: And so when you do that, you're able to tap in and, mm-hmm. and learn some things about them that um, you need to know about them so that mm-hmm. you can better assist them.
0: And and I mean that is that is really really powerful. Um, you're in, in at the church, and I'm a member of the vanson Church too, so yes. um, appreciate that. But when when we're at church, you often talk about your past life and experiences. And I got to say that I know a lot of people are transparent, but I don't think I've ever heard, especially from a younger pastor, so much transparency. And you talk in your book about how the challenges in your life weren't initially at the time they happened enough to push you Out of some difficult situations So There are a lot of young men out there um, That are struggling in the same way That you were struggling in Um, Different decisions about life um, Children Maybe that you're not prepared for And that feeling Of being frustrated and stuck That you talk about And I just want you to speak To this part about um, uh, When you got shot That just That just blew me away and I think from the perspective of how um, and you talk about this in your book how you make decisions and you find yourself in these spaces and yet somehow it's just not enough to push you straight because you know what I feel I feel like for those of us that do community work and we wonder Man, you've been shot two or three times. Like, what is it going to take for you to get out of this lifestyle? Or what is it going to take for you to do better? And we don't understand that it's not simply a matter of making a decision to do better. Like, there's some stuff that's so deep. And I'd like you to speak to that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, um, just being in the streets, right? I I was still looking for... um, this sense of community mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. Um, there were people in my neighborhood that i enjoyed hanging out with we wasn't always doing the right things but mm-hmm. we was together
0: right, right right
1: and so when you have that sense of community um it's easy to do the wrong thing okay you know because you have people who are encouraging you
0: mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to
1: do the wrong thing um what's crazy about my experience is, and what's difficult even for me to process at times mm-hmm. is in doing the wrong thing, I experienced all of this trauma, right? Right, right. And um, it was painful, really, being in the streets. It was painful carrying weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, I even sold some drugs. I mm-hmm. did some things that I'm not proud of. Right. Um, but in the midst of all of the pain, I did not see an exit. Right. You know, I I didn't see how I how I was to transition from Mm -hmm. what I was doing to something better.
0: Mm -hmm. Because
1: Mm -hmm. I really didn't have an example of what transition looks like. Okay. Right. So I had an example of what another life looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could get this and you could be doing this and you could be a professional man and you see professional men and all of those kinds of Mm -hmm. things. But you don't see the process. You don't see how they got there. Right, right. So because I didn't know how to get to that life, Mm -hmm. I spent, you know, time um, in the streets, Mm -hmm. even though I know I was in the wrong place. Right. (laughs) Even though I knew I wasn't supposed to be getting high and drunk Mm -hmm. and doing all of the things Mm -hmm. that I was doing. I knew that there was more for me. I just did not know how to transition. So when I got shot, you know, I was suffering definitely mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, v- revenge. Right, revenge. right,
0: right. I read about that. Um,
1: so you know, I, I spent time just kind of thinking about that. How can I get this person back? Mm-hmm. But never really um, considering how to really get out. Right. Because when you're stuck in a place mm-hmm. and you don't see the exit sign, mm-hmm. you 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 just kind of you kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm just going to die here.
0: Right, right.
1: I I thought that, you know, on many days, I said, I I don't see how I'm going to get out of this. And so, yeah, the trauma was there, but Mm -hmm. it was never enough to move me because Mm -hmm. I really didn't know how to transition.
0: Let me tell you how this impacted me. So I did some community work in the city. And I talked to a lot of young men and I heard young men say things like, I'm not going to live past 35 anyway. So what difference does it make? And when I what you said right now just smacked me in the face. They don't see a way to transition. I'm in this, but there's no clear path. Okay, you tell me to go to college. How do I do that? You tell me to get a trade. How do I do that? I live in a place where there's no transportation. Um, maybe there's not even a school to do track. How do I do it? And then you have the compounded problem of no mentors and no role models. And so you stuck, stuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think, again, as a community and uh, as we ask these hard questions about how do we get our community out of this mess we're in? Maybe we need to have conversations and not I'm not talking about pointing your finger, well what you need to do is, because that's not showing a person how to transition, that's telling a person what to do. And that's not helpful all the time. I mean there's times we need, you know, guidance and correction, but there's times we need compassion. And so, you know, what I'm starting to hear, and I know that what your book talks about is that ability to receive compassion. Because when you're in that mode, it's hard to receive. I would imagine.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I was I was disconnected. You Mm -hmm. know, I was disconnected from people. Um, I may listen to you tell me uh, to do certain things. You should try this or try that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wasn't really connecting with. Um, the words that people or then even the encouragement that people was giving me I wasn't Mm -hmm. really connecting with it because I felt like you know it's kind of like pie in the sky right you know you're telling me to do something but um, where is the step-by-step process right you know how do I really get there and am I even fit to be there Mm -hmm. you know when you're struggling with your own value and your own worth you know it's it's not just the journey itself and the plan—it's the person,
0: right? You know, right?
1: Can I be successful? Right. You know, right. You're, you're telling talk. me that you know there are things that I can do, but I'm struggling because I never thought of myself as someone that could achieve on a high level. And, and so there, yeah. are, there was a bunch of things that I was really battling with at that mm-hmm. specific time in my life. So I had no one. To kind of observe right. and look at, so that I could see how they transitioned. Mm-hmm. And then, as a person, I was struggling with my own value.
0: And my right, goal. right. And you talk about how different. And I'm not gonna share the whole book, so y'all gonna have to buy it. But you talked about how. It wasn't so much that people were speaking negative to you as a child, but these things happened that really devastated your self-worth and your self-image. And I think as adults, we need to step back a little bit and realize that those word bombs we drop on children, um, especially when we're angry, they stick. And so if you've been really going in on your kids and other people have been going in on your kids and now you you, you know, you're trying to get some positive results All that negative stuff has been planted And that child may not be able to see Beyond what you've spoken over their life
1: Definitely so You know, one of the things that um, I, I battle with Is words that have been said mm-hmm. You know, and so as a young man I got left back twice mm-hmm. You know, and it was very difficult And very challenging because I was tall you know, mm-hmm. and so if you're tall and you know you're left back, right, well, even bigger, right? You know, <laughs> uh, because the kids are younger than you, yeah, and you're already tall. So, mm-hmm. so it was mm-hmm. some real challenges that I had because teachers, um, they tried to act like I couldn't. I could not um, achieve academically, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they, they they said things like he's he's struggling with this. He's struggling with that. He can't get this. You know, it's taking him too much time and mm-hmm. this that and the other. And so um, even today as a man, you know, you you battle with words that were spoken over wow. you as as a young person wow you know and so that's where the word of god has come in to assist me in overcoming you know the things that i heard as a young man you Mm -hmm. can't get left back twice and it not have an impact on you right it's it's going to have an impact on you Mm -hmm. and so you know I, i constantly Um, Affirm myself. Okay. Constantly encourage myself Mm and declare God's word over myself Mm -hmm. because, you know, most people who are battling, they're not battling with things that happen to them physically. Right. They're battling with the words that have been spoken over them.
0: Exactly. Rest
1: on their minds and thoughts. And so, you know, when you learn how to fight and, and really pursue what God has articulated in His word concerning you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then you're able to really begin to overcome the challenge.
0: That's that's very salient. And I think, again, as I think about being an adult, whenever I'm around little children, I try to watch my language. It's just a personal challenge that I do with myself because words do matter. And even though I'm in mental health, hearing you say these things from your own lived experiences is very powerful. And it just makes me want to do better in that area. Um, And I think that we can, if we just do a few of these things that we're talking about, you know, being in tune with our kids, changing our language, um, pouring in and then teaching our kids how to use their value or their faith system to uh, confront some of these challenges. We may start to see like a tremendous change in our community. And one more topic that I want to kind of jump into that was in your book that I think. A lot of people could be inspired or get, um, I don't know, a little encouragement by is your journey as a young father. You talk about um, having children at a very young age and how your desire to provide what you didn't have, which was um, a present father. And how that created new challenges and frustrations for you. And I think for a lot of young men that really want to do the right thing and intend to do the right thing, it goes back to what you said about not having an a example of how do I do this? Okay, here I am, 18, 19 years old, and I'm a father. What do I do? I don't know what to do. And we we know a lot of organizations cater to women, single women. There are not a lot of organizations that cater to men who want to be fathers in a relationship with the mother. So I just want to ask you if you could talk about that journey of being a young father, maybe add a few uh, words of encouragement. Oh,
1: absolutely. Well, to be a father is one of the scariest things that (laughs) (laughs) you can experience in life. Right? Okay. You know, when um, I found out I was going to be a father, I was like uh, just in this whirlwind kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't get my balance. <laughs> um, and, and then when they said, you know, you're not going to be a father to one, but you're going to be a father to two because you're having twins. I was I wanted to lose it (laughs) I'm 19 years old I go from no kids to two kids overnight just like that. and it set me into a a state of shock initially Mm -hmm. you know because I just didn't know what it was to be a father right you know and um I didn't spend a lot of time reading about what fathers do because I was Mm -hmm. in the streets doing things that fathers shouldn't be doing right right And so it was just a lot of confusion for Mm -hmm. me. You know, how do I raise this baby Mm -hmm. and what do I put in this child? Right. And do I even have the capacity, the patience, the understanding to really be of value to this child? So, there's a lot of struggles that young men go through, specifically young black men, you know, because mm-hmm. often we are raised in homes where it's just a mother or a grandmother. Right. And so, there were some real challenges before me. So, you know, the thing that um, really kind of shook me a little mm-hmm. bit was not just me being present, right. um, but also um, me providing. You know, yeah. I was like how am I going to feed
0: right. Two kids Because that's what we say like The man is the yeah. oh, protector yeah. and yeah. provider And you're having all these yes. thoughts At the age of 19 expecting twins Yeah that's yes. a lot. So that was
1: on my mind. It's mm-hmm. like you know, you now you have now you can't lose your job, right? <laughs> you,
0: <know? laughs> you,
1: you can't you can't come home and say you know I, I don't have it, you know? right? You before you can do it because it's just you, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and you could be out on the streets, right? But you can't have a family out on the streets, right? So right. I could just remember the pressure of mm-hmm. that resting on my shoulders. It's a lot, and and not. Seeing it done Uh by my own father because he passed when I was two years old. Right. So so I I experienced the challenge of being told you're a dad and then trying to live that out. Wow. And it was very, very challenging, but there was always something in my heart Mm -hmm. that said, you're going to be a father and you're going to do this to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. And it meant me Um, Connecting with other fathers Right Um, It meant me being pastored Um, Mm -hmm. It meant me praying
0: Uh Because (laughs) you need to pray Right You gotta pray Going from single to two kids Yeah you you you, you gotta pray Yeah you got to
1: intercede You know It's it's different You got to You got to really stay on your face Right Because um, Again it just It takes a lot To be able to raise children Mm -hmm. But my heart was in it My heart was in it I wanted to do it Um, I didn't always want to do it, but I got to a place eventually where I wanted to be a good father. I didn't Mm -hmm. just want to be a father. I wanted to be a good father. And I didn't quite know what that was, Mm -hmm. but I was willing to go through the process of discovery.
0: And I think for a lot of young men that are becoming fathers that do have that heart, it is very encouraging to hear that another person has walked in that path and they did it. And it wasn't easy, and it was a lot of challenges, but the heart that you have matters. And so um, anybody out there struggling, I encourage you, you know, just think about your heart because if you have the heart to be a great father, you're going to be a great father. And you may not get the kudos from people around you, but um, stay true to who you are. Yeah, stay true
1: to who you are and and remember that... um, you had to go through a process right right to be a father means you have mercy Mm -hmm. you have mercy you you forgive you know you you have to be patient and so yeah it's it it was a challenge but I'm grateful that God gave me the opportunity to be a father
0: I, I that is that is an amazing story and when you get the book and you read that part there's even more to it so check that out um Another part that um, that I want to get into is how you went from being um, having all these challenges in your life. You have been through a lot of stuff. You've seen a lot of stuff. It's been up and down and hard and frustrating. And um, you, you talk about this transition. But before we get into what the transition actually was, what would you say is the pivot point where you knew something changed in your life
1: oh my lord well that happened to me in a basement apartment Mm -hmm. and i remember it like it was yesterday you know (laughs) i had come to st louis in a car that was shot up Mm -hmm. and um i I didn't really know where i was going to stay but i heard about a guy who had a room for rent okay and i ended up connecting with him and I ended up in a basement apartment with no windows. And the night that I went in and laid in the bed, um, I just began to cry out to God. Mm -hmm. You know, I had never cried out to God before. You know, I was 23 years old and I was at this place in my life where I wanted change. Mm -hmm. And um, I just started to cry out to God that night. And I said, God, if you are real, Mm-hmm. Touch me mm-hmm. Change my life And that caused the domino effect Of things to happen And when I think back on it today It still blows my mind <laughs> That I'm where I am right. At this very moment Because that prayer literally changed my life
0: Well and, and you know I think sometimes that people feel You have to have this long Extensive religious background And knowledge to um, Reach out To God And that's not necessarily always true And I think what's fascinating is that uh, From a um, Outsider's perspective Not being in ministry myself um, You know We have these ways Of looking at people as though They've never been through anything And everything is perfect but What we know is that when we have people That are transparent like you And share your story we find out That you're just like us
1: Absolutely,
0: and that (laughs) that matters. And I know God is not
1: picking from another planet,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right? But I think sometimes as followers or as participants or followers or whatever, whatever we want to call ourselves this time around, we we do do that. We put people on a pedestal, and we don't realize that what got you here is real life. Real experiences And if we are in tune And we listen We can learn An awful lot about this I want to thank you For um, coming on To the show And talking about your book We're going to have A part two Of this interview That I'm really excited about So I want to thank The listeners For tuning in To the Convos With Anita Santiago podcast Please subscribe To this podcast On Apple, Spotify Or wherever you get podcasts You can check out More about our Featured guest speaker on the website www.lifeconvos.com and if you want to reach out to me send an email to convoscws at gmail.com